1: Learn more at marines.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? The shark babe has such teeth there and it shows them
0: pearly white just a jack knife
1: has old Maggie Heath, baby, and it keeps it uh, out of sight you know when that shark bite.
0: So
2: welcome everybody to another episode of Macklin's Take with me Andy Clark and Matt Macklin Hope everybody is well And today we're joined by someone we've seen quite a lot of actually over the last few weeks Last time was at the finale to Fight Camp where she was ringside shivering with me and Andy Scott and Tony Bellew Uh, It was a great night though and she made a very smart move early on because when we got to our position there was a blanket over one of the chairs uh, and she laid claim to that Did share it did share it. I, I have to. I have to add that. But as the evening wore on, it became more and more obvious to to, to myself, Tony and Andy. I think really that that was that that was hers. And uh, a couple of weeks before that, of course, she was up in the ring, headlining in what was an outstanding fight against Terry Harper. Certainly one of the best we've seen this year uh, so far. And I think by the time we get to the end of the year, uh, it will still be in that category. Uh, she came very close to winning that WBC super featherweight title. And she's having quite the career. I was just watching a Channel 4 documentary from back in the day, Knockout Scousers, featuring her, Tom Stalker and Jazza Dickens. And uh, we'll get into all of that and more over the course of the next few minutes. It's Tasha Jonas. Tash, how are you doing?
3: I'm good. Thanks for, thanks for having me. So
2: I was kind of wondering after last week, um, it's a week and a half ago by the time this goes out that that we saw you for fight. Uh, for week four of fight camp. And I was kind of wondering what, what it was like going back because not much time had passed between then and your fight. You go back and such was the nature of it. It's like deja vu. Everything is exactly the same. In so many ways, it was a really good night for you because you boxed well, you really performed, you rose to the occasion as as, as you've done on on. At key points in your career along the way that's 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 been a signature of it that's something you've always managed to do but ultimately you didn't emerge from it with what you wanted so going back there was it was it a was it a good feeling was it a feeling of of pride or or frustration was it like going back to a nice familiar place or or the scene of the crime if you know what I mean do
3: you know what it was, it was good to go back and not be, you know, you appreciate boxing a bit more when you're not boxing. When you're, you know, going into your own fight, you're, you're so concentrated on, you know, going over tactics in your head, you know, watching the last bit of, you know, video analysis or whatever, or, you know, just everything. You're just so concentrated on your performance that you don't appreciate any others. like We had... Um, file us on, on in our changing room, but that wasn't so we could watch it. It was just so we knew how long we had left before we had to get in. when we knew when it had finished, we had fifteen minutes. So it was nice to go back and just enjoy and like appreciate the boxing and appreciate what what it was that you that you was involved in.
2: What one thing we've we've chatted about a bit the last few weeks we we did with Joe actually when he was on um, and with Eddie last week Uh, and with Dave Caldwell who's coming up next week which is the the days after a fight because on the night there's there's a lot of adrenaline obviously and the days afterwards can be difficult I think because the circus leaves town as people describe it that that spotlight is off you and then you hit kind of Monday, Tuesday Wednesday Matt's been talking about it too and all of a sudden, you can find yourself on a bit of a downer. How how, how was it the next the, the the next few days once 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 that adrenaline had, had worn off?
3: You you're like you you're riding like a little bit of a, a crest of a wave because everyone's like, I oh, but you from a machine? And, and all and all that." But like, there was only like a couple of people actually believed they could, so we we was disappointed <laughs> from the from as soon as we left. So we everyone was shocked at, at what I did but we already knew that I already had it, it which I just i probably never shown it before but um, I knew I could do that and I, I was saying all week I've been saying since the fight was, was announced that I could do that and it was nobody believed me <laughs> um, but then when you come out it's all right everyone's saying oh you know brilliant performance and whatever whatever but like like you say you haven't, I haven't got nothing to show for it sometimes that's what, that, what you want. It's like, you know, a medal if you're going to an amateur tournament or, you know, the, the belt if, you, if you're in a professional, in a, in a professional circumstances. That, like, symbolises everything that you've sacrificed and everything that you've worked for. So to, to be just as good as the other person or, you know, be equal and, you know, not even come up with anything, it's, it was heartbreaking.
2: So in terms of the fact that people didn't really back you beforehand and and full disclosure, me me and Macklin both, both picked Terry Harper. Uh, There's, there's no point being dishonest about that, but we both scored to you on the night. Um, When you then produced the performance that you did, what's the feeling there? Is it kind of vindication or is it just a bit of irritation that, that, that why, why didn't people believe that I could do this? What, what, what makes them think that I couldn't do that? Because if it were me, I think I would be more in that latter camp. I wouldn't think, oh, I showed you all. I think I'd be thinking, well, fuck all of you for, for not believing me in the first place.
3: Yeah. uh, Probably a mixture of both. Um, But I do understand why people, like I said, I I hadn't shown that previously. So, you know, you can only go off, off what you see or, you know, people say you're only as good as your last moments. I don't quite believe that. But, you know, it's um, yeah. It was a mixture of both of like, kind of like, how will do it, yeah, I'll, and I'll and I'll I'll show you kind of thing. I wanted to prove uh, people people wrong and and other people right. So,
2: Matt, we. As I said, we both had to hold our hands up. Um, it, making predictions is something you get asked to do. Uh, the key thing is, is that you don't allow whatever you predict to affect the way you, you score, the way you see it on the night. And that obviously didn't with a pair of us because we we, we had it to tash. A ter- terrific effort by Terry Harper as well, of course. Let's not let's not forget the part that she that she played in it. But it was, I mean, first and foremost, it was it was a brilliant brilliant fight to watch.
0: It was an, absolute, an absolutely brilliant fight to watch. I think it really put women's boxing right up there, you know, and, and the whole fight camp series has, and, and even, you know, the last sort of couple of years has really, women's boxing has really emerged as, you know, on a level. It's uh, some great fights, but it wasn't just the, the, the work ethic and the tenacity. There was real quality in there, and it was the quality for me, from Tasha, that gave her the edge, which, you know, it, we... It 's one of those things, isn't it? You knew she had it. She boxed in the Olympics, she had performed, but she hadn't performed anywhere near that good for quite a long time, so there was nothing in the build up in, in certainly in the short term that suggested that she had that performance in her, you know so I picked against her, uh, in, in terms of prediction, I predicted Harper in quite a big way because I thought the timing of the fight, the whole momentum, she was 23 years old, she was undefeated, she'd won the world title, you usually go up a few notches then. And and Tasha hadn't really performed well in quite a while, really. So, she, yeah, she'd had those few wins since her last against Obenhout, but they were wins that she was supposed to win and win comfortably. So there was nothing going into the fight in the short term that suggested she had that performance in her, but... You know, we're looking at the surface. She's obviously day in, day out with Joe Gallagher, with her teammates, sparring, working, believing, pushing boundaries, everything. And she and that's the most important thing. She believed in herself. It doesn't matter what other people believe. You're as good as your last fight in boxing. Yeah, you know, that's that's the reality. You're as good as your last fight. And the last few fights for Tasha were okay, but they weren't on a par of Terry Harper's performances. So going into the fight, Harper was a big, big favourite. And I think that was kind of universally across the board, with exception to Tasha herself and her team. But fair play to her. She, she didn't have to get of performance. I thought she was absolutely outstanding on the night. From the first bell, from the first bell, she came out. She took that centre of the ring. She was driving that backhand down the middle. And you could just, I thought, ooh, you know, can you keep this up? Because she started so well, but but she did keep it up, I, I you know. A lot of people gave Terry Harper the last round because, you know, she was really trying to pour it on. But I I I thought Tasha won the last round because I thought her defences were good. I thought she blocked a lot of the shots, took a lot of the shots on the arms and gloves. She was threading the quality shots through the gaps. She was finding the target. You know, you can't just win it on just aggression. I mean, it's the old debate in boxing. We've seen it with Pursun and Kate Taylor. Kate Kate Taylor having the better shots, but Pursun's... Work rate and her aggression was massive, but which do you prefer? Now it's got to be shots landed and and, and quality shots. It can't be just it's, it's, it's effective aggression, isn't it? And I thought Tasha won the last round, but and I had a winning 94 uh, which I think was the same as you, Andy. But it was a it was a fantastic performance, and I was happy to be proven wrong. And <laughs> listen, that, that's nothing against Terry Harper because she's done. She's got a brilliant story, and I'm you know she's only young and she'll come back and. In a way, it was frustrating that it was a draw. But at the same time, you know, it was such a great fight. Maybe no one deserved to lose. I don't know. But like I say, I thought Tasha did enough uh, to get it. But I'm sure they can do the rematch. And I'm sure they'll give us another great fight.
2: So there was an entertaining moment when we were together at ringside for, for White Povetkin, Tasha, where um, we, weren't, we weren't on air. Uh, and Eddie came over. And it was after Taylor against Bassoon. And you thought he said, how about you fighting Katie Taylor? Uh, and you almost jumped out of your seat basically to say yeah yeah I'll take that I'll take that any day any day of the week and he just and he just said no, no no all right calm down that's not what I said take it easy but you see the thing is is that after you did what you did um in your fight against Terry Harper the the possibilities now have have opened up and that is that is a possibility again now that that fight against against Taylor so okay you didn't get the belt you didn't get the result that you wanted but but doors have
3: opened. Oh yeah, of course. I think, um, and that's the the beauty of it. One, Terry didn't have to take me as the. I wasn't a mandatee, It was just a a case of I was the only person at that time she was able to fight. So, you know, once you're back in the the the, the world, you know, rank and mix that you're back. You have you can fight the world champions. I didn't, as you say, didn't lose. So. You're back and put your back up there, so yeah. I, and all my life, all I've done is taking opportunities when they come, and, and 99% of them have worked out for me. So, you know, Eddie, if you're listening,
0: <laughs> Tasha, when I fought Felix Sturm, I didn't get the decision, I felt I won the fight definitely. I didn't get it. Uh, there was a lot of talk of a rematch, but it never happened. Um, but in I didn't get the rematch with Sturm, but I got the fight with Sergio Martinez, you know. and, didn't win that, but again, I performed well. I think he was like a four to one on favourite and you know, it was an, an Ip and Tuck fight right till the end. Um but I think even though you didn't get the win, I don't know, I am kinda of coming at, I'm gonna come at this with two things. So I didn't get the win in Germany, but it elevated my career to another level. I proved myself on the world stage and I got another couple of world title shots after that and was involved in big fights at the end of my career. Um and then the career's over and you look back, I don't have the world title. Do you understand? So, you know, it's, uh, from that point of view, it was a, it, the, the whole experience in Germany was a positive experience because uh, I performed, I perform, you know, I put on a performance, I, I performed a world-class performance against a, a world champion, should have got the decision and that elevated me onto the world stage of where I had a few fights at world level then after that. Um, but, now in the history books, I don't have a I don't have a world title belt sitting on my mantelpiece, which I should have. So it's bittersweet memory. Really, I look back, and it was it was a good time. I was proud of the performance. I was proud that we executed the game plan that we'd worked on. Everything in training came off. Everything we said we had to do, we did. Um, we're not in control of the, judge, the decision. That's the judges thing. Um, you, can, you, know, you can only control the controllables. And we, and we did. We, we executed it. Every, the whole week in Germany was brilliant. Gallagher, everything was brilliant. So from that point of view, it was a positive experience. to look back and it was great memories. But obviously, you know, I don't have the world titles belt. So, I mean, from your point of view, that performance, that fight with Terry Harper, absolutely put you on that level now. You know, you was an Olympian. You had a great fight with Katie Taylor in the Olympic Games. I know that talk fight was talked about earlier on in your professional career. Uh, you, have, you have certainly established yourself now on a, at world level. You know, and you're, going to get, you're definitely going to get another world title shot, whether that's a rematch with Terry Harper, if it's, a, if it's a fight, if you step up and fight Katie Taylor, whatever, you are going to be involved in some world title fights from now on, definitely. But I suppose fast-forwarding, and this hasn't happened yet, but even at the end of your career... You retire and you don't have that world title belt. You'll, you know, you look will you look back and feel like, ah, oh, should have had it that night. I suppose yeah. that's an impossible question to answer, but it's just a talking point, I suppose.
3: No, it definitely, it definitely is because the whole thing, you know, with the Olympics and the Commonwealths, so that's what kept me. That's what that was the little like hook that kept me coming back to professional because. I'd achieved, everyone's like, oh, you've had a brilliant career, you did so much. Yeah, but I, I did never get a medal in the Olympics and I did never get a medal in the Commonwealth Games, which the Commonwealth Games are really, really was, like, nailed on for a gold. Um, So it was, even though I've achieved so much, it wasn't what I personally wanted to achieve. So that was the, the fish hook that, that was, like, come, made, made me want to turn pro because I thought, right, if I can get this world title, that'll be it'd be buried in the sand then. I've done what I wanted to do and I'll be personally, finally, like, happy with what I've achieved and to me personally um, and to not get it. It is a kick in the teeth and I know, I'll be feeling exactly like you do. It has elevated me, it has announced me at a well level and it has put me and had the um, options for more and bigger fights. But if you actually come away with nothing at the end of it, it doesn't matter because you're still in the same boat that you was before you started that.
2: But there's still time, there's still time. And on that note, I'm now going to dial back. We're going to change tack chronologically uh, and go back in time because uh, in preparation for this, and people may think I don't really do any, but, but I do, um, I watch Knockout Scousers. And if you haven't watched Knockout Scousers, find it on YouTube, it's there, just, just, just type it in. And what it is, it's a documentary made probably... They started making it probably 10 years ago because it was in the build up to London 2012 and it features Tasha, Tom Stalker uh, and Jazza Dickens. Uh, And it's really, really good. A really good kind of pen portrait of their careers, how they got there to that point um, and what they were looking to try uh, and achieve. And the early days we always find are really, really interesting because... What brings people to boxing in the first place is is always in itself kind of fascinating. And I remember when I first put your bio together for Sky, there were plenty of things in there on you, but but because you've done a lot, but there, there were quite a few I didn't. And one thing I didn't know was that you originally attended college in the USA on a football scholarship, uh, and that didn't pan out because of because of an injury. So how did boxing happen for you? You... Did you come back from that and you were just a little bit lost because that hadn't worked out and your kind of dream was over? I mean, just just tell us about it.
3: Um, i come back, I had a brace on my knee. And for a whole year, I was like, I was 20 at the time. Um, and I was looking at the likes of, you know, Beth Tweddle, Wayne Rooney, um, Jack Sennis, I think it was. And he was all like 15, 16. Beth won a first Commonwealth gold. And, you know, obviously Wayne had signed his professional um, contract with Liverpool, and I was thinking, oh my god, these are all kids, and these are like somebody's If I was going to be a somebody, I'd already be it now. I'm twenty, so I'm going to do what everyone else does and go and get a job. Um, and what I realized in that, you know, when you when you're part of a, like a, a football or any sport really, because I didn't do it anymore, I'd, I'd lost a whole group of mates, and I'd lost the whole like social group. Um, Looking back now as an adult, I probably think I was a, a little bit down and a little bit depressed because it was over my dream was over. Um, went out more than I should have, you know. And I just couldn't sport was my motivation to do anything. I couldn't hold down a job. And then after a year, I'd put on loads of weight. Um I'd got sacked from my seventh job in the in the one year. And I was like, right, something's got to change. I need to do something, because this is like a joke. So my uncle's got a karate gym. Um, in a, it's a in a little bit of a rough part of Liverpool and I said like can I have a set of keys it's got like free weights a running machine and a bag and I used to just go in there train myself and go home and there was a, a woman who used to live over the road who used to kind of watch it for him because she's known him for years one day she's knocked over and I was like like who are you what are you doing and why are you here I was like oh it's my uncle's gym you know he lets me train by myself and like she went, I've seen you a few times coming in and out. Why are you always chaining by yourself? I was like, oh, I'm just trying to lose a bit of weight, get a bit of confidence back, and whatever. She was like, oh, there's i um, I've just started a women's only boxing night at the local gym, which was the Rotunda. She said, I think you should come along, you know, it's a nice group of girls and it'll save you chaining by yourself. And I thought to myself, boxing? Like, one thing I punched in the face. I was like, I didn't t- say that today." I was just like, oh, yeah, I'll come next week and for months and months and months I didn't come but for months and months and months she pestered me and in the end I thought mate, just to shut her up so I don't have to hide every time I go to my uncle's gym I'll go Um, and I went and God, that was like 15 years ago now Um, absolutely loved it pushed myself to the limit on the first session and like I was, yeah I was hooked from then it was just it, it wasn't it wasn't about fighting then it was just about me actually being involved in something again and 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 pushing myself and testing myself. And I enjoyed that. Um, eventually after being there, because I had done karate and I had done kippur, everyone in our family has done karate. because of me. Um, So it wasn't like brand new to punching. And after like, I think it was like six months of being there, they were like, right, we think you're good enough to have a fight. But if you if you want to do that, you can't stay in these sessions. You have to move over to the other sessions, which is the amateur boxing sessions, which are the Monday, Wednesday." For, um, for and I was like, I wasn't doing anything else, so I was like, oh, okay, I will, and I've done it. And then, about well, four months later, I ended up winning the hey. hey, hey, kids. Hey, everybody, sitting here with a famous Slovenian philosopher. How are you doing, sir?
0: I am uh, in hell, thank you. Are you uh, excited about something? I am excited about this latest uh, CIA-funded venture. A CIA venture? Yes. It's called the Desire and Capital Podcast. Oh, what is it about? I refuse your fascist question. Well,
3: there you have it. Listen to the Desire and Capital Podcast. Coming soon to a bourgeois
1: platform near you. On your marks, get set, go. This is so crazy. Yes. <laughs>
2: So when you when you walked through the door at the rotunda, who was who was on the other side in terms of who was at that gym? Bellew would have been there. The Smiths were there. There was a lot of people came through around that time, wasn't there?
3: Yeah, oh, the only Smith that wasn't was Paul. So there was Liam, Callum, Stephen, um, Bell, you, uh Joe Selke, uh, Joe McNally. Um, I think they're the only ones that that, that the people may know. That's same
2: professional, anyway. I mean, with that—that's—that's—that's that's, that, that's some crew to to to, to walk into. Um, just, just curious too. When you at that point, were we still at the stage where a female turns up at a boxing gym and there's nowhere for you to change and you can't have a shower afterwards and all that kind of thing? Was it just still only set up for men, or had that transition begun?
3: So, because they they were under did female sessions, and because the um like they have a fitness like class in the mornings, and that's open to everybody in the area, um, they have got they had, they did have a women's change room, but it was like <laughs> it was like full of the lads' stuff, and it was um it had like you know the, the massage bench and stuff and that any it? um it was, so it was very rarely used um. But, yeah, I, I, I was the only girl there for a, for a long time and it was a bit awkward at first walking in and the lads had never had to train with a girl either. But the, on the first session, you know, when everyone's like, right, everyone pair, partnered up. And I was like, oh, God, this is going to be like, you know, when you, you're picking the footy teams in school and, like, yeah, pick last just because you're a girl. And I was like, oh, it's going to be like that. And then everyone was partnered up and Beefy just went, I'll be your partner and that kind of squashed that then from then on so there was no oh, I've got to be with Tash or like he was just like yeah I'll be your partner and then from then on it was never an issue um, but yeah it was it, uh, soon after soon after that there was a couple of younger girls like junior girls that came through and, and started boxing but the good thing about the that, even though I was the first female they, it was never about being the males or the females you were just the boxers so And that continued really onto GB and stuff. So I've never really felt, I've heard nightmare stories, you know, Nicky and Amanda Coulson, you know, coaches making it purposely hard for them not to come back or saying, no, we don't take girls here. And I have heard nightmare stories about that, but luckily I've never experienced that.
2: Matt, it's a a famous old gym, that, the Rotunda. Um, A lot of really good fighters have come through it, but, but, but Tasha's timing was good, wasn't it? Because you we listed those names there and it was at a point where Liverpool Boxing, there were very few actual professionals at at that stage, um, really. Uh, And that that continued to be the case until, well, for a a few years, basically because a big, big wave of fighters came through and all of the names we mentioned were were part of that.
0: Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, the Rotunda gym, p- for me personally, is, is, is a gym that I've always kind of say been a friend of because me and Paul Smith boxed together in 1998 in South Africa for England. So we became good friends from that day on. Um, and, you know, even boxing for Young England, I remember doing a week up in Liverpool. It was like August, so was kind of the off season. No one was really in training. We'd been down on a couple of squads at Crystal Palace and, you know, then we had an in we a week in between. and We had another week at Crystal Palace. But in in-between, uh, mm-hmm. no one was in Birmingham training. Everyone in Liverpool was kind of, you know, in the off-season. So I went up to Liverpool and I stayed with Paul for the week. And I trained in the Rotunda. And we sparred. And, you know, down through my career, I sparred with Joe Selkirk. I sparred with Joe McNally. Obviously, I knew Liam, Liam and Callum since they were kids. Do you know what I mean? Even Stephen. So it's uh, I knew all the trainers there and everything. And it, it was... You know, the, the kind of success that Liverpool's having now in the professional scene is a result of that group of people that came through in the amateurs. I remember at the time being up there in the amateurs thinking, God, Liverpool is such a massive boxing city. Because You had the Sully as well. You know, in the amateur thing, like at that Crystal Palace, it was London and Liverpool. Do you know what I mean? And when you consider the size of Liverpool compared to London, you think, what a boxing city. Now, the Sully and the Rotunda but then, but hadn't really at that time, any big name professionals, you know, you had a couple, you had, you had a couple, Shane Eary and, you know, you had John Hyland who was trying to do shows and things, but it wasn't, it didn't have this massive crest of a wave of influx of fighters that were dominating and winning titles as professionals and that were big stars doing big shows in big arenas. It was like a couple of shows at the Evan Park, maybe, but that group, like I say, Tasha mentioned them, you know, the Smiths, the, uh, Joe McNally, Joe Selka, Tony Bell, you know, all those people, you know, and even the group that, from the Sully, I think, you know, Tony Dodson and the Quigley that kind of came along with that. It wasn't just the Rotunda, but the Rotunda were probably the best of them and the Sully. That's that, if you fast forward the years then, that's that group of those amateurs were the ones that have kind of established Liverpool in the professional ranks, you know, and, and they've had those big nights, massive nights at the Echo Arena that have all come on. So I'd say that Tasha reached. Tasha was, she came along at a great time. Do you know what I mean? She came along at a great time to kind of go with all those lads. Do you know what I mean? That And learn from them and train with them and aspire to achieve what they've achieved as well. It's, it's, it's good to have role models or people that are from where you're from that have gone and done it because it makes you believe It's possible, you know, they can do it, I can do it. You know, I think that's important in in life, isn't it? In sport, whatever, you know, to see people that from where you're from that have come from the same background that have gone and done it, it makes you realise this is possible for me too. So um, the the Liverpool and the Rotunda and and that period and that era was definitely, without a doubt, a golden era. So, um, you know, and obviously Tasha was a big part of that.
2: And another reason why it was the right time was because by the time you won your first ABA title, which, correct me if I'm wrong, I think was 2009, we knew that that boxing was going to be in the Olympics, that women's boxing was going to be in London 2012. So how did the GB thing come about? What was, I mean, excuse my ignorance here, was, was there... Was it completely new for women to be taken onto that GB setup because London 2012 was now, uh, women's boxing was now was now in it? I mean, how did it all happen for you?
3: Yeah, do you know what? I'd won the ABAs the year before. So I think it was 2008 I won the ABAs. And, and then I, because I'd won the ABAs, I started training and going away with England and going to the competitions. And again, I, I just thought that was as, as good as it's going to get. Um, but I was happy with that. In 2009, we heard the rumour. Katie had done an exhibition about with, um, I think it might have been Queen Underwood um, or somebody um, to like try and get us in. And in 2009, there was a rumour that it was going to be in. And we was in a um, on a training camp in Sweden. And uh, the announcement was going to be made. And so we was all, the, Swed, uh, the Swedish national team had got us there and then they and all the media around us for the for the announcement. So we were all sitting there watching, and they said it was going to be. And I'll never forget it. And then from that day, we knew um, in 2009 that it was going to be in the London 2012 Olympics. So they had to then make a team, bring Britain for women, because I say it's never been an Olympic sport for women. So they'd never they'd never had to have have, a, have the team. England was England, Wales and Scotland, um, and Northern Ireland was the team. That was that was that was your team. Um, So they had to get, you know, all the best females in in the weight divisions, you know, 64s, 57s, um, and and take them on assessments. So we were on assessments for about eight months, and we were training alongside the the development, the lads' development team. So that meant every other Thursday uh, to Sunday. Um, And then eventually, after after the assessments, we were then... You know, nine nine people were picked. So, well, I think it was eight actually. Um Initially, there was eight people. It was supposed to be three people per week, but that ended up being I think three, four in in, in my category in the sixty kilos. Um And then, yeah, the the you, you just went and dropped that down to Charlie. Sound like you just went in. Then we went to full time training from from that once the that actual team was selected we went to full time training and trained alongside the, the the podium the podium squad and that was every week monday to monday to Thursday, sometimes friday
2: that that's mad isn't it when when you think about it you 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 know you you've got the, the huge disappointment of football not working out uh, and even worse because it's because of injury and it's not because you, you were told that it, you know you weren't up to it you know that's that's a that's a hard thing to take then you start boxing And then boxing just turns into something that you could never possibly have imagined that it would for all sorts of, not just skill reasons, maybe you turn out to be better than you thought you would and all the rest of that. But bureaucratically, if you like, all of a sudden, this thing emerges, the Olympic Games, which you never thought when you started, even when you won your first ABA title, that just wasn't on the horizon. So, I mean, when you were, before you got onto the squad or before they took women onto the squad... You presumably you, you had a job, did you? Were, you? were you were you managing to hold down jobs by then, or was that still difficult?
3: I'd managed to. Um, I was a youth worker, but I was only part time. Um, and then when I got onto the the squad um, for the like when we were training alongside the development. Um, I was able to get like a sponsored job from from Liverpool City Council I don't even think they do that anymore but it, that was amazing because you could take any time off that you want wanted as long as it was for training purposes or like as long as competition purposes so I was able to work around because I, there were so many jobs that I'd had to leave even boxing for England because you know there's tournaments every so many months but work doesn't give you that many holidays so I was still <laughs> losing jobs. You know, the England setup at the time with McGannon was quite strict and he, he, you could be not favoured or not be chosen to go to tournaments if you miss camps. So I remember being in a situation once and he said, right, like, no one's missing a camp, otherwise you won't be going. And we were like, well, you've got no holidays left. So if you do go, you, you won't be coming back to a job. And I was like, OK, then see you later. And walked out and went to the camp. So, um. Yeah, I was, it, was, it was tough, um, but the Liverpool City Council thing definitely helped me helped me out. And then when I went to full-time training, obviously I was only really working weekends then. Um, so yeah, the, I was just about managing to keep a job, but it wasn't. Um, but we were paid athletes as well by the time we got onto um, the podium squad. We were, sorry, I should say funded athletes.
2: And all of a sudden as well, you're travelling the world and that's, that's something that, that everybody, whenever they talk about that, when they're young particularly, we talked to Paul about this, I had a long chat with him about it, Frankie Gavin, and, you know, their eyes light up when they talk about the places they had been. And Paul was saying that him and Stephen were just listing off the places that he'd been with boxing. And it was it was just so many. They were watching the TV, I said, and, he, and I think there was some story on about Korea. And Stephen's just, just walking through the back of the living room, looks at the TV and says, oh yeah, I've been there, i boxed there. And, and it's just things like that, isn't it? I mean, you know, you, you end up going to places that you probably never could have imagined
3: are a million percent and like don't get me wrong there's been some good places like Barbados and you know whatever but then there's been some horrific ones and it's just like you say just just talking about the times and I I I do smile and even when I phone some of the you know the the, other girls often we talk about like the places that we've been we, we we do nothing but laugh but you know when when we say we're going to these places we're not seeing the best of the best of these places we're in the like low down dirty in the middle of nowhere <laughs> like you know it's it, yeah so you've you, you been in these places you might not necessarily have seen everywhere but like I can tick off you know a lot of the map that I've been that have been to and it's it's predominantly down to boxing
1: Hey everybody, this is Moto G Pete from the Nokomoto Motorcycle Podcast. Join us every week while we rate, review, ride, philosophize, and generally obsess over every single motorcycle make, model, and style that could possibly exist, plus news and racing. That's the Nokomoto Motorcycle Podcast from Moto One Podcast Network Studios.
2: So, so when it came to London 2012, your your main rival was you mentioned her already was Amanda Coulson, um, who was very much a, a mentor of of Savannah Marshall's from the same part of the of the country, and and you know was instrumental in her uh, in her getting into boxing basically. And and what was really interesting about watching sort of rewatching knockout scousers was that that road to London was highly pressurized, and I said before that you got a history of of managing to respond to that. And it was really tough because you went to a tournament in Bulgaria, didn't you, where you had to get a medal really to perform well enough to get selected for the World Championships. And then the World Championships was the only Olympic qualifier and you had to get to the medal stages there to make it to London. I mean, Boxing getting taken into the Olympics is brilliant, and it being in London is amazing. And people will see that and just think, "Oh, well, you're on the GB squad, so I'll see you there." That'll be that would be fantastic. Uh, where's the boxing? I will buy tickets, but there was there was a lot to do.
3: Yeah, no, there, there was like it was it was it was Amanda Coulson. Uh, Ruth had kind of dropped off in her performances by then. Ruth Ripper, um, but it was also Chantel Cameron as well. And what had happened was. Um, Chantal had fought and fought Amanda, and Amanda had beat Chantal. So that was the only reason that Chantal was kind of, I wouldn't say like out of the out of the loop, but it it, it could have created an argument of how did Chantelle get selected when she's already been beat by one of the girls. So she it was it then just did become um, me and Amanda, and we performances went downhill in the two thousand and eleven. Um, and then we went to the the um, test event. It was, and because um, every every Olympic sport had a test event to see if the like sport would work in that like kind of scenario. Um, and everywhere that we went as GB, we we'd improved so much that it wasn't a case of we could just be go there and be counted. We we had to we we was expected to get a medal every single tournament that we went to, no matter how hard or whatever the tournament was we was expected Um, so I like they chose me to go to the test event and they were like I was like yeah I've just got a medal and he was like no you haven't just got a medal you've got to get a gold medal so I was like oh that's a bit different that was not 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 what they normally say and then when I looked at the um, the rankings, there was the world number two there was the Russian number two there was the world number four five six and someone else and I I knew by this time, I was top top eight in the world, but I didn't I didn't quite know if I was better than that. Um, and I ended up beating the, the I think it was I can't remember who the first one was, but then it was the Russian, and then it was Dong who who lost narrowly to Katie Taylor in the World Championships before that. So then I kind of knew that I, w- I was better than I thought I was, and that gave me the confidence. We went away to Brazil after that. Um, and I beat um the who then went on in twenty twelve to win a silver, um, sorry, a bronze medal. I beat the Brazilian there. Um and that kind of cut. from then on, that kind of catapulted me into first place. It was it was first place was mine to lose, basically. Um but yeah, the, I think I think I performed better when when no one expects, when we went even, I mean, GB will probably deny it. But when we went to the World Championships, we because we was the host country, we was allowed one space. So if nobody qualified, uh, the females would be allowed, be given one, 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 one place. Um, and that was already marked for Nikki. Um, so then when we went there, we we they told us at first, you just have to make the quarters. So I was happy with that. I thought, I can do that. And... Um, because I'd beat the number two, the number four, the number, and, and whatever, so I thought, but no, I can't do this. And then when we got there, they were like, actually, it's changed, and they're going to do it in, in areas, so only so many from um, Oceania are going to qualify, only, only so many from Europe are going to qualify, and obviously in my, in my, in my division, sorry, that's the baby running around, <laughs> chasing the dog, um, in my division in Europe, there was Katie Taylor, there was Sophia Rachegeva, there was, um, who else was there? there? was um, I can't remember the name from France who went and won the twenty sixteen. Del um, Maselli. Del Maselli, that's it. Yeah. Um. It was just it was just loads. Uh, there was a Romanian as well that was good, and a Polish, a Polish girl that was good, and I was that changed the dynamics of what I needed to do then. But I thought, right, I'm just gonna go out and do whatever I'm doing. And like I've kind of took the pressure off myself and I went out and done it. Um, so I, I think I perform better when the when the pressure's not even though you say it was pressure. No one expected me to do that. And I went and i done it. So I perf- I perform better when, when all the pressure's kind of off.
2: Well, this is a different kind of pressure because that's your daughter, Mila, I think, isn't it? In the in the in the
3: I've got six kids staying with me at the moment. Um, all the
2: girls are still in bed, but this is my <sighs> little nephew. <laughs> uh, well, Matt, we were we, we were talking to Eddie the other day, weren't we? And and he was, uh, and we got onto the idea of Olympic sport, and and he was just saying how Olympic sport is the ultimate in terms of pressure because it happens once every four years, and uh, you have to deliver, or all of that work just goes down the plug hole, and. That process starts a long way out, doesn't it? It's not just as Eddie was talking about on the start line of the 100 meters. There's all sorts of things you've got to go through to to get to that start line. And in boxing, qualification is is difficult. So if you could get used to handling that that level of pressure, then you know you come through that kind of that kind of fire, um, and it really it, it seasons you probably like nothing else.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was, was going to say, yeah. You, I mean, you imagine. You know, you've got this, it's a, it's a once-in-a-lifetime, isn't it? You're not going to get that opportunity again. And, and like you said, that starts from the qualifying stage. So if you don't qualify, you're not going to get to the, the Olympics. So it, it's all the way back. But, you know, and, and the thing is, the Olympics, chances are, if you don't make it, you're going to turn pro. So it's you're going you kind to of get one shot at this. So that's pressure. Do you know what I mean? It, you know, it's not like you play, like I always say, you know, you play football this week and it's bad. You, you're playing next week. And then you, you have a good game. And last week, which was a bad performance, forgotten about. And that's why boxing is so cruel at times, but then it's probably what makes it so amazing too, is that, but certainly something like the Olympics, you know, like Tasha there, you know, you've got to be so consistent. You've got to qualify. You've got to, I know you might get a, a second qualifier, but basically you've, you've got this one shot at it to get there. And then when you get there, right, this is the Olympic Games now. You've got to perform and, you Know that, that that's the way it is, so that is that is pressure because you know you, it's um you've, you've worked so hard to get here and now you're here, and also there's injuries like who's to say, you know, if you get injured in, in in uh in some things, like let's say I'm professional boxing, you get injured, you can you can pull out and put it back and maybe change the date, hopefully. But no one's going to move the Olympics because you broke your hand, or no one's going to move the Olympics because you pulled your hamstring and you couldn't do any running, you've got to try and get round it best you can because you still want to go if it's all possible so it's um i think sometimes people don't really appreciate what 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 athletes go through
1: yo i'm dk co-host of the one star recruits podcast my best friend rip and i host five star athletes celebs business leaders comedians and coaches from around the world
2: each week, I can guarantee you the show will always have great laughs, catch up on lives in relatable
1: ways, and have a ton of fun. We're recruiting you. We are the one stars, which means we can ask the questions that no other podcast asks to guests like Joey Chestnut, Evander Holyfield, Bobby Hurley, Jenny Finch, Ryan Lochte, Montel Jordan. New guests every week, compelling interviews that you want to hear. Check us out wherever you get podcasts. One Star Recruits.
2: London—it's uh, something you, you, that you've spoken about a lot, and the, the draw in, in boxing is is important. It's really, it's really kind of key. And you will have discovered when the draw was made that you were in Katie Taylor's half of it. What, what was your thinking there? I mean, it's—it's it's not like you don't think you can win. Of course, you think you can win, but but realistically, you look at a draw and you want. Ideally, you want to be in the other half to to as many of the best fighters as possible.
3: Yeah, I think um, to, the, the weird thing is we didn't know. Um, we They'd given us, um, you know, like old Nokia phones, so they didn't have any internet access and we kind of give our phones in. Um, so we didn't, I didn't have a, a clue of who drew, only the fighter that day, like, Obviously, the 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 fight that that I drew first. So, um, obviously, everybody, whole world knew except me. Um, it was only when I beat Queen Underwood that they said, "Right now, you're fighting Katie Taylor." So, I I, I didn't know at the start. Um, so yeah, it was it was a mad it was just it was mad but Yeah, I think before that, in the run up, we we identified threats. One was the Brazilian. One was obviously Katie Taylor, and one was. Um, the, the Russian show fear gave it, but it was just one of them things. I'd probably had a, a good a good draw in the world championships to even get to that position in the first place. So I wasn't too downhearted hearted. And by that time I was flying. I think Pete Taylor said in the interview after afterwards um, that I was the most improved boxer out of everyone over the last like uh, the last year. And they they had actually feared me which was which was was quite funny.
2: Uh, that that fight with katie taylor was was by most people's reckoning the fight of the of the competition and and we know the the stat about it breaking all decibel records at the x l and and all of that and in a way though it's kind of probably not that dissimilar experience to the one you had a couple what two or three weeks ago because you got a lot of plaudits for it and rightly so. But ultimately you didn't get what you wanted which was which which was a medal and and a lot of your teammates did and well done to them and I'm sure you were genuinely very pleased for them but yourself and 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 your fellow liverpoly and Tom stalker you went there for medals and and it didn't happen and how how hard was that to to take
3: it was um, that, that's exactly for the reason what Matt was talking about before that I don't know what that feels like because like, I did believe that I was good enough to get an Olympic medal, and like as good as the, you know, oh yeah, you put the women on the map, and you know, it was a brilliant fight, and you know, I got so many Irish fans after that. Um, but again, you come away, and when the like the doors are closed, I was crying in my room for the whole night. Um, I had to phone my dad from. I watched it on the highlights of the of the. Um, that day it was just showing the highlights of, of the fight and you know it obviously says and I was just lying on, there on the bed and like a tear just trickled down my eye and it must have been about 11 o'clock and I couldn't stop crying until about four o'clock in the morning and I phoned I pho- my dad at, like, and my mum at like five five o'clock in the morning I text them and they replied back at like seven saying, what's up? I was like, Mum, I just need to come. I need to get out of this village. I need to come. So they was in a hotel not too far away and I just went and seen them, but people don't see that. You know, we we trained from 2009, really, um, to get in that position, but you, you only see the eight minutes at that time that that were in the ring and, you know, people have got this free notion that, like, oh, yeah, it's going to be this or it's going to be that. It's not, it's gonna, I don't think they ever think it's going to be easy, but you know, people don't realise how much of sacrifices and that you actually make. And I was speaking about this to someone the other day. I don't think, you know, I'm the most naturally gifted or talented or anything boxer. I'm just the one that's stuck with it. And a lot of people don't because the life that lifestyle is so hard.
2: I uh, just curious, when at the very at the very end of the fight, it was point scoring then, it was computer point scoring. They changed it the next year to the to the ten point must. Did you have any idea? of whether you've done enough or not, because sometimes somebody's sitting behind the media section and they can see a screen and they might give a little signal to somebody else at ringside. And I know that goes on because I've, I've, I've seen it firsthand myself. Did you have any clue that, that it was going to be you or, or it definitely wasn't going to be you?
3: Not at that time. Did they, they tell you the score at that time. They told you the scores round by round. So I went out. I thought they had a decent first and second round, to be fair. Um, but the scoring didn't suggest that. So I remember coming back and sitting in my stool on um, the third round and I was I, I could have been about five, six points behind and like the coaches were telling me instructions, giving me instructions and I thought, right. I, I was talking to myself thinking, right, I can sit here and be happy that it's Katie Taylor and just get beat by five points because every a lot of people would be happy with that. Or I can go out on these last two rounds and give it every everything. And no matter what happens, happens. and I, but, but I'll be able to live with myself and say, well, at least I couldn't have done anymore. And then, like, I remember the, the little claxon thing going saying 10, 10 seconds. And I stood up and thought, right, I'm going to go for it and see what happens. And that was, I think that's the only reason that I could, like, live with myself because I couldn't have done more.
2: Matt, that's interesting. That, that's really interesting that, that, that Tasha talks about that kind of decision she made almost because we've talked about this before and, Sometimes we, we do watch fights where we think we've hit that point where a fighter has a decision to make. Are they going to box out the rest of the rounds, lose narrowly enough on the cards and then complain about the decision? Or are they going to go out and try and win? And you had that decision against against Sergio Martinez. It was close and, and, and you knew it was close. You thought the momentum was probably just going against you. You could have just boxed out the last couple, the last two or three Thinking, I'm probably not going to get this, but but you would have put up a good performance, uh, but you didn't. You went out to try and win and got stopped. But I know that you would <laughs> you, every day of the week. You would much rather you did what you did than than, than the other way around. And it, it's just it's just fascinating to me that sat on your stool halfway through an Olympic quarterfinal or or in your fight, you, that is going through your head that that is a decision you can you can you can make and you have to make it.
0: Yeah, I've always said that I'd rather. Get knocked out trying to win to my last, till I'm able, then kind of settle for a points loss. Because a loss is a loss. You know, it's, is, it, am I going to feel better because I lost on points than getting stopped? Well, not if I know I went gave you everything I've got and I got stopped in the process. Do you know what I mean? It's like I'm not there to kind of lose well, I'm there to win. And I won't stop trying to win, even if that's against the run of play. Even if it um, doesn't look like it, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to stop trying. And you know, the Martinez fight, it was so close. Um, I knew it was close going into the 11th round, but I did, But I wasn't sure, you know, it was a round up, was a two down. And, you know, he was a champion and he was probably... I just thought, this is close here. I, I need these two rounds. And, you know, a bit like what Tasha was talking about there with Katie Taylor. You know, she, Katie Taylor was Katie Taylor. She was the... Most high profile of all the women in the, in the Olympics, the boxing. Um, and it was kind of, you know, a good loss, but she wasn't there for a good loss. She was there because she wanted to win. And it's looking yourself in the mirror, isn't it? After that's the most important thing. You know, I could have probably just survived the, the, the 11th and the 12th and not gone out, not tried to exchange, not tried to go for it. And I'd have lost on points and I'd have been, oh, I pushed him, went the distance, it was close and the cards, but <clears> I was still a loss. Do you know what I mean? I still wouldn't have been world champion. So I went out. I took chances. I exchanged, and it, you know, he, he caught me, put me down twice, and you know, Buddy didn't let me out then for the last round. But yeah, like, like Tasha was describing then, and that—that's that—that's that thought process. It's it's the voices in your head, isn't it? And you have to be able to sit with the voices in your head, and uh, otherwise you'll be tormented your whole life, you know. And I could I could do that because I stayed true to myself. I went out there. And my, my mentality has always been, no, just keep, you know, like I say, I'd, I'd rather get knocked out trying to win than, than settle and survive and, and lose a point. So I, even though I was disappointed and lost and all the rest of it, I can, I can sit with the voices in my head. I'm happy. I was content. I did. I stuck true to what my mentality is. And it's exactly the same as what, what Tasha said there. She had that, you know, the devil and the angel or whatever way you want to describe it. Saying to her, you know you can you can just play safe here and you know this is Katie Taylor, no one thinks you're gonna win anyway. Look, just stay safe and lose them, or you go out and give it all you've got and you risk getting beat worse than what you would have done had you survived.
2: So I've always kind of wondered: did you did you at any stage think about turning pro after London, Tash? Because everybody kind of waited. Katie went to another Olympics, Caressa Shields was very, very young, she went to another Olympics. But if somebody had turned pro after London 2012, Nicola Adams waited and she went to another Olympics, you could have stolen a bit of a march on the others because there was a big crest of a, a wave with, with women's amateur boxing, admittedly. admittedly, But did you ever think about that or were you all just full steam ahead, Commonwealth Games and then and then another Olympics?
3: Um, no, to be honest, because there weren't the scene here. I knew you either had to go to America or maybe Germany to, to, to be able to make a good living from it. Um, and I'd already done the whole living in America thing, and I didn't want to do that. Didn't want, I didn't want to do that again. So they just, you know, and throughout me, amateur career, as you, you know, going to tournaments and going to boxing shows. Um, Jane Couch had had uh, her own um, like boxing. Um, like I don't I don't know what to call it. Like I she was doing interviews at the end of fights and stuff. Um, and I talked to her a few times and she would told me like her horror stories and I was just like, Yeah, I just don't need none of that in my life. And to be fair, I thought once I'd retired from amateur boxing, I thought I thought that was me done with boxing.
2: Yeah, Jane's story is amazing. Um if you haven't read her book, get get a get a hold of it because it's well it's it's a sad fact of life really that if you're a true pioneer, then you pay the price of making it easier for those who come after you you don't really feel the benefit yourself, and that that's definitely true with her because the way she was treated by so many people was absolutely horrific um but she's lived to tell the tale and she's 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 great company and just a great character to have around and and someone somebody honestly we should hear more from i think I think that would be i think everybody would benefit from that uh so the commonwealth games didn't didn't work out for you with the commonwealth games you had a you had a foot injury and then you did hang them up um so this is just it's just kind of like this is your life isn't it in a way but uh, <laughs> so but but it's just a really interesting it's just a really interesting trip you've been on because um I'm not I'm not sure people know that much about it but I do remember working with you on on Katie Taylor's debut at Wembley Arena which would have been late 2016 and you were yeah, you were retired at that point and, and you seemed Gosh, you. Yeah, you seemed it. You seemed it. But but from what I'm told, it was it was being there and it was a big event and she was kind of co-headlining with, with Ahara Davis and there was a lot of fuss made and I can totally understand why you would look at that and just think, yeah, why, why not give this a try? There's, there's no reason not to do this. The,
3: the weird thing about it, it wasn't even me that did that. I was just like, I was just happy to be a part of the Sky team, you know, talking about fights and enjoying like appreciating the boxing and not like not having to train to do it. But then <coughs> it was Tom Stalker phoned me the next day and was like, Oh, did you see the Katie Sailor Fight senior thing you can't say? And what he said, Oh, wouldn't you think about doing it? And I was like, shut up, Tom. Like, you know, I'm a mum now. I'm like, God, about 15 kilos over my boxing weight. You know, shut up, Tom. I haven't like i have done keep fit sessions in the, the rotunda, but they're not the same as boxing sessions. There's fighting and fit and, and being fit are two different fits. I was like, oh, Tom, shut up. And then, um, yeah, he, um, oh. after that, yeah. I was like, what is stopping me? Like, he, he just he just got a, like me thinking about stuff. And I the like, Yeah, I was like, what? What? You know the baby's because when you're a new mum as well, a first-time new mom, I was so focused on being perfect and getting it right, and you you know, you just don't want to do anything wrong, and you don't you want to spend all the time that you can with with your, with your baby, and you want to take all the advice on that you want, and that is in itself was stressful, a different type of stress, but stressful nonetheless, and I am. Um, after she was in a in a I was so I so all my time was devoted to getting her and make it, being hit perfect with her. But then after that, I was like right, like, she's in her own routine, she's got her own little life now and she knows what she's doing and when she's doing it. And then there was a whole big void and gap that I had to fill. And like that had always been filled by boxing, but now and then after that being filled by the baby, but then it, she was doing what she was doing. And I, like, I was like, well, what do I fill it with now? And then when he said that, I was like, you know what?
2: Mm, why not? And then you were back to, you were back to the Rotunda in, in a lot of ways because you teamed up with Joe Gallagher and all and all the Smiths were there, which was a kind of ready-made, ready-made environment for you, really, Which which was, I mean, there's no guarantee that Joe's going to agree to train you because he's, you know, he wants to have a look at people and see that they've got the right stuff. But I guess when you walked in there, the fact that they trust him um, and he gets on so well with them, it was a good fit.
3: No, yeah, definitely. And I'd already, I'd quite got a good relationship with Joe anyway. Um, He used to bring some of the lads up um, to to spar when we was on GB. And obviously I knew him because I was going to all the Smiths fights because I used to go um, and support them. So I knew Joe really well anyway. And, you know, I'd been out the game for almost... Two and a half years, I think, by this time. So I was thinking to myself of all the good trainers, and everyone's like, "Oh, you know, what happened to Robert McCracken?" And but if I was going to be in that like GB sector, I may as well have been on GB. It was like, and then when I thought about all the, you know, <laughs> God, junior, who did it, mate? And when I thought about <laughs> all the like the trainers like the top trainers in Britain, I thought about who, who was the one that, you know, hasn't got the best talent and, and, you know, made them world champions. I thought about the ones who got, you know, some average boxers and got them into places. And for me, that was Joe. Because I didn't know how good I was going to be either, because I hadn't done anything. I hadn't trained anything.
2: Well, we won't keep you for too much longer. We referred to it earlier on, but Tasha's, Tasha's being besieged by small people. There are, there are six of them in her house this morning. And, and, let me uh, just I th-
3: show you, yeah. wait there one second. This is why I keep trying to grab him, because he's got, wait there, let me a yeah,
2: second. I think she's done heroically to, uh, to manage to, not, not keep them away, but... Uh...
3: So the girls have got make-up and he's got hold of the, um, the <laughs> lipstick.
2: So there's a little boy we're looking at here who uh, who's got lipstick all over his palms, and this is what this is what they get up to if you leave them if you leave them unattended.
0: Uh, <laughs> over the walls, <laughs> <laughs> it'll be absolutely
2: everywhere. It's going to be absolutely everywhere. So we won't we won't keep you too much longer. Just just a couple of ones to, to finish with, um, and we'll cycle back basically to the kind of uh, the, the the present day. Um, what, one thing that's really interested me recently is. When we've had a uh, a women's fight recently that's really delivered and attracted a lot of noise, and there's been a good number of them now, um, I see a lot of comments from people saying that we need to stop talking about men's boxing and women's boxing. It's just boxing. If, we, if we're to achieve equality, then that's what we need to do. And, and I, I agree. When I see that, I think yes and no. And and I just want to know what you think about it. But I think yes, because when you're assessing in-ring action, yeah, there's there's no reason to differentiate between gender there, none whatsoever. Me me and Matt don't, never would, because you're watching boxing at that point. But we can't pretend that there is equality yet between female boxing and, and, and male boxing in professional boxing. And so we do still have to make the distinction because that conversation needs to continue. Does that make sense to you, what I've just said there?
3: Yeah, and I know what you're saying. I think it's worked out well for me throughout my whole career because a lot of, you know, from the Rotunda to GB to to Joe now, you're just the boxers. And I think for, for, for you competing and wanting to be seen, as you call that, a, a great environment to be a part of. But I do get what you're saying. And I think until we have them uncomfortable conversations and have them, you know, them talk, that there will always be like it will always be the elephants in the room. You need to you need to have them uncomfortable conversations and it needs to be, you know, to the forefront instead of people just like, you know, pussyfooting around it. Do you know what I mean? It need, it, we need to have we need to have it.
2: Yeah, I, I just, I just don't think. Yeah, that's exactly it. Uncomfortable conversations, and and you can't get ahead of yourselves. You can't all just decide. Oh, well, this is great. It's, it's uh, we've achieved equality. Let's all pat ourselves on the back and, and and say well done, because that that's too easy. That that's too easy an option. Um, these things take they take time and they take will and they take people to really want it to happen, not just talk about it. Actually, do the things that will make it happen. And I still hear horror stories quite frankly about um about payment um about words being broken and deals being reneged on it's it's not you know it's not good and 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 that's that's why there is still there is still a distance to go um the other one is and there's been a lot of chat about this over the last few weeks in particular too is is the the three minute or two minute round debate, uh, we talked a bit about this um, when you were with us for white Povetkin. so I think i 've said this before on the uh, on macklin 's take. It might have been somewhere else basically there 's no rule that stops women from boxing three minute rounds uh, under the British boxing border control and under commissions in America, uh, just to quote examples from two countries, if you want to box three minute rounds. You get your opponent to agree and you get the promoter to apply for it to the board or to the commission. They will then look at it and they will decide as they do with men because you will sometimes see them knock down four threes to six twos, for example, for male novice pros. If they don't feel that they're of the sufficient standard or or have enough experience yet to do to do three minutes. So that that's where that is. Nicola Adams boxed three minute rounds in Leeds in her second fight. Marlon Esparza recently, very experienced Olympian, much like yourself. She's boxed three-minute rounds in Nevada. And a good few years ago, Layla McCarter boxed a lot of three-minute rounds, and that was, that was in Nevada too. So the assumption is, though, amongst most people, uh, Tasha, that the elite-level females will all want to box three-minute rounds and that they should box three-minute rounds. I hear different when I speak to actual uh, uh, elite level females it's a bit of a mixture uh, where do you where do you sit on it
3: to be fair most of the females that i've spoken to um, professional females want two minutes they don't they don't believe that it should be three i'm i'm he, neither here nor there i think you know I will happily do two, sorry, I will happily do three minutes. I train three minutes. So only when I've got a fight um, that I'll shorten it down to two minute rounds. But throughout, you know, just training day to day, I do three minute rounds with the, the same as the lads do. Um, the problem I have with the three minute rounds is one, is there going to be equal pay if we do. And then two, if your only argument for having a three minute round, is because you want to see more women get knocked out, then I'm totally against it. If that's your only, if that's your base, if you say, you know, I want a three-minute round, you know, I want to see how their insurance is, I want to see more of their skills, I want, that's fine, that's fine with me. But if you're, if you're basing your argument so, solely on just seeing women knocked out, then I don't think it's right for our sport, especially when it's at a time when it's, you know, moving and growing growing and moving forward.
2: Agreed, agreed. Um, Matt, what, what, what are your thoughts? Because... Joe, when we had him on a couple of weeks ago um he said that the one thing he definitely doesn't want to see is 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 more stoppages in in female boxing. He admitted that he's a little bit old fashioned possibly and and it's just not something he would he would ever want to ever want to witness and that he's more in the camp of two minute rounds but but twelve two minute rounds for for championship fights for for world title fights
0: yeah very similar to that i think look women's Boxing has proven it's how good it is, you know. And 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 Tasha and Katie and Terry Harp and all these girls have proven themselves, their ability to putting in just as much work, and they're as valuable. So, but but I don't want to see women getting badly beaten up. I don't. That's not what I want to see. Joe, I appreciate the skills and I appreciate the technique, and I appreciate the tenacity and all that, but. I don't want 12 3 three-minute rounds just so girls, so I can see more knockouts and women. I don't. That's not what I want to see. I want to see the skills. I want to see the competitiveness. All that, absolutely. But I don't. You know, it doesn't. I don't. I don't. It doesn't need to be more brutal for me to enjoy it more. Like that. Out of the whole fight camp series, some of the best fights we had was Tasha against Harper, Katie against Pursun. Uh, they were unbelievable fights, as good as any of the men's fights, probably better. So, you know, from that point of view, it's it definitely on par, But I don't. I wouldn't have appreciated it more if it was more brutal. I appreciated the skills. I appreciated the the the, 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 the intensity, the tenacity of it. it was but I that didn't. I didn't need to see broken noses and brutal knockouts for that to, to to get more enjoyment out of it. Do you know what I mean? Definitely not.
2: Yeah, and that, that's—I I completely agree with that. And, and I think that—that that for me is what it's about—is you, you pick the format that provides the most entertaining spectacle because sport is entertainment. And those ten two-minute rounds we saw between between Tasha and, and Terry Harper, and the ten we saw between Katie Taylor and Delphine Pascu, both times around—that was twenty minutes of high-quality, relentless entertainment. Would that have been better to watch if they'd been boxing over three-minute rounds and one of them had got knocked out in the fifth? No, it wouldn't. Quite simply, it wouldn't. Uh, so that, that that for me is what it's about. You—you you need to—you need to think about what is going to provide the best the best spectacle. Spectacle, because sport is sport is entertainment. It's as it's as simple as that. And and if 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 your only way of deriving entertainment from boxing is to see people get banjoed, as uh, as uh, I've heard it described, of course we see knockouts and they're very, very dramatic, like like White against Povetkin. But there's room for... That isn't the only thing that, that provides entertainment in the boxing ring. So we will finally, we will finally let you go, Tasha. Um, I don't know, maybe you'd fancy doing another couple of hours here because it means you could kind of hide away in your spare room. And...
0: <laughs> no, I think we've got to throw one last question in, Andy. What about, so what's next now? Is the Harper rematch going to happen? Would you step up and fight Katie Taylor? What would be your preference?
3: Do you know what? I don't. I don't have a preference. Like whatever comes my way, I'll take. Um, obviously, I've seen um, that she may have to fight the mandatory. But um, I know, you know, um, MTK are, uh, um, you know, pushing the board, and I've put uh, I've put in. Um, like I, I don't want to say a complaint. I don't know what the way it They put in a thing to say, you know, we believe that Tasha, you know, should be fighting instead of um, her fighting the manager. So we'll see how that goes. You know, Katie Taylor fights are always always there, and I, it's it's one of them. I'll have to speak to Eddie. You know, I think um, yeah. I just I, I take whatever comes my way, and I think um, I've proved where I need to be, where I, where I am, and I'm just looking for any opportunity
2: okay cool well, well we'll leave it there it's big fights isn't it you, you, you need now big fights you don't need any you don't need to mess about with with anything any kind of keep busy fights unless you feel you really really need them hopefully you won't because not that much time will elapse before you're next in a big one um, so yeah thanks thanks for your time thanks for your time it's chaotic in your house by the look of it chaotic I think that would be that would be the word to describe it um, we'll catch you soon uh, and everybody else same thing thanks thanks for listening as always and if you do Find yourself with time to give us a rate and a review, and and maybe spread the word a little bit. That'll be great. And we will catch you again next week, where we have Dave Caldwell. We recorded that one this week as well, and we get into a a few different things, uh, a few different things with Dave. Uh, primarily, the idea of of natural talent in in sport, and to what extent it's real, to what extent it actually exists, or is it just a myth that people like to uh, that people like to used to explain the difference between ability, uh, the difference between athletes and ability, when actually what it's all down to was hard graft. Um, so that was good fun. Um, if you fancy a bit of that, then, then get back involved next week. Uh, in the meantime, stay safe, everybody. And old
1: Lucy Brown Yes, that light.